0: Bundesliga Diaries are back to discuss Leverkusen leading the way, Dortmund being Dortmund and whether the writing is already on the wall for Darmstadt. Hello and welcome to the first monthly review episode of the 2023-24 season of the bundle Diaries here in the studio with Richard and Mirko, as ever. How are we guys?
1: Pretty good, apart from the fact, of the international break.
0: Yes, yeah, no, we're not a massive fan of that, but it does give us a little bit to talk about this time around, but we will get to. Um, it's been all kicking off here in Germany, as I'm sure plenty of you have heard. Um, you mean basketball? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll get to that as well, I guess, in a weird way. For your two clubs, just on the surface, it's been, it's been an alright start, I think. Yeah, I mean, I would say
2: Union has been better. One, on the transfer window and second, also on the pitch. I mean, Frankfurt, there is still room to improve, but also we've had worse
0: starts. You're unbeaten, aren't you, still?
2: Yeah, if you frame it that, that would be the positive thing. Uh, Six games,
0: mate, in all competitions uh, already.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Um, But yeah, you could also say we did not beat Darmstadt and Mainz and Köln, who are all probably going to finish below us. So, I mean, yeah, we beat Darmstadt 1-0. Almost doesn't count as a win, but um, yeah, didn't beat the other two. So yeah, there's room for improvement.
0: Why is it two goals conceded?
2: Uh, yes, uh, one against Köln, one against Mainz.
0: So, you know, it's not... It's not Three goals scored
2: is also not that brilliant. Mm, yeah. and, I you mean sure.
0: You want not have it in the cup, though, so I, you add that in and it's, I, I, it's
2: looking better. I <laughs> like to have it as a... I like to frame it negative because then they can surprise me when they do turn up.
0: Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. New manager and you got to get... You saw that. Richard Union. Yeah, it's been good, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. like, you know, the Leipzig good. defeat just, isn't... Just good.
2: Main Union, two years ago, just somehow made it packed with the devil, and now everything is falling your way. I, I don't see any club in any league, maybe some like third division Mexico, which I'm not following that much, but Union has had the two best years in football history.
0: Honestly, I mean, like, and you, you've got to admire it because, like, just looking at the stats, if you look at the stats, like, the, 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 yeah. the, so far, it's insane how Union is still, like, they scored eight goals. It's just mad. Like, the lowest amount of shots, the least amount of running, almost. Like, it's just absolute madness. W- get wor- on the box, get you in on it as we send the preview.
1: Worst pass completion rate of the entire Bundesliga. I think lowest <laughs> possession. Yeah. It's been sort of standard Union... We're just doubling down. Yeah. And the Leipzig game, we've had a pretty good record against them in the last two, three seasons. So we were bound to lose at some point anyway. So six points after three games. Can't really complain.
0: Small discipline problem with two red cards (laughs) already. (laughs) Um, You know, but... uh it's what it is both, <laughs> really both were harsh you know. I would say War. I mean the first one perhaps the one against Leipzig was probably yeah halfway up his leg and um, caught him pretty well even if he didn't make a meal of it to be fair Simakhan I, I, I would I, I couldn't really argue with a red card I, I read uh, four games did he get three or four games he's got a three
1: game ban
2: yeah mm.
0: and a uh,
2: and uh, a person of five yeah is that is that common
0: you, I think if it's a weird. professional foul, then if you a know, like straight red like that, I think you do get a fine. You fight. do because get a violent
1: conduct, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it counts,
0: technically, yeah. Talking about Union, uh, this year it means it's Champions League, shout Richard. So who did Union get, you ask? Well, the big one everybody's seen, Real Madrid. It's the game, isn't it? You play in the Champions League, Real Madrid is the biggest, it's the biggest attraction, it's the biggest match. So, um, wow, do you know what I mean? Yeah, wow. Definitely, definitely. I was at the time of the
1: draw. I was a little bit annoyed because Unión could have gone into another group with Eindhoven and Sevilla and Arsenal. And just from my own point of view, I would have preferred that because cheap to get to London, mm. stay with mates, cheap one. Cheap to get to Eindhoven on the train, easy. Th- these three teams that we've got, it's all like proper away, flying, very expensive but it's Real Madrid in the Champions League. I mean, they are the biggest club in the world and to have two games against them in the Champions League... You can't really complain about what the rest of the group is
0: looking like. It just caps off the arc, doesn't it? Of like, you know, four years ago we were playing whoever in the Sparta Bundesliga and now we're getting drawn against in the Champions League. It's just it just adds another little nugget to the story. Do you know what I mean? Um Napoli and Braga are the other two teams. Braga, of course, already played last season in the Europa League, so what are we saying there?
1: Well, I mean, the fact that we've already played Braga and the fact that I think thought we played pretty well against them in the two games in the Europa League. We lost away there, but to be honest, I think we should have won that game. We were pretty unlucky, I thought. So realistically, I think while well, Braga and Union will be going for third, mm. and I think there's a you know it's probably a 50-50 chance of who will get that. I don't think it's a group where you look at and think, well, they're basically going to finish fourth. I think there's still a good chance
2: that they could drop down into the Europa League. Yeah, I thought that's the first thing I thought. Like, It's the perfect group you have two really great clubs and then you have the big opportunity of getting at least third. I can even see Union maybe get second. if every, <laughs> every, It's not impossible. Neapol uh, had the, 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 the season of their lives last season, so maybe they dropped something this year. So I wouldn't count off Union to not get Second, but third is fairly realistic, I would say.
0: I mean, I, I happen to see Braga in um, their qualifiers two three times, um, just sort of work, work stuff, and they play pretty well. They look pretty decent. So it it was still a little bit of a fight for Union to get third place, mm. but Union are also a good team who play their way to the T. Do you know what I mean? They've they got it nailed down now. So they'll cause, they will cause any team a certain amount of problems, even, even Madrid and uh, Napoli. You still can't expect them to have far too much in the tank really across four matches you'd think but still Union playing in the Champions League and playing against one really big hitter in in Real like that and another top team in like Napoli in terms of the away matches a trip to the Bernabeu uh, was the first game that I'm sure every Union fan looked at are you going I am going to Madrid yes the fixtures
1: got announced on the Saturday morning, uh, which just happened to coincide with me getting home from my Friday night. And uh, the fixtures came out and I was like, oh, it's the first game away in two weeks. Oh, for fuck's sake, I don't know if I can do this. And then Liam, Quizmaster Liam, text me and said, are we going to do this then or what? And he just caught me in that... Golden window of drunkenness, where I was, sweet like, spot. Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, fuck <laughs> it, come on, let's do it." Luckily, we've got a mate who also has been around a lot with United and uh, recommended a cheaper way to get to Madrid. So we're flying to Alicante and then getting uh, the train to Madrid. Sure. So we've got a nice cheap option there. Ticket wise, didn't get an away ticket in the original lottery that everyone put in for, but because of the fact that all of the tickets are personalised. To the member who's actually applied, you can't even put it into someone else's name. Sure. Obviously, not all of the tickets have sold out. So this week, there's going to be another round where anyone who lost in the lottery can try and buy a ticket in the away end. So hopefully see whether or not I can get one through that. If not, we'll be getting a ticket in the home end. Thankfully, being English... Still, yeah. having a, still having an English bank account and whatnot shouldn't be a problem because Madrid have said that they're not going to accept payment from any cards registered in Germany.
0: It's all your fault, Mirko. It's all <laughs> Frankfurt's fault from um, the new camp two years ago. It, I mean, that is that will be the reason as well because yeah, you know. I mean,
2: clubs did it
0: before. I mean, it was it was
2: way easier 5
0: years 10 years ago Uh, now it
2: seems like every club is like "All right, we could just give like 5 or 10k more tickets to the weight team or we could just not do it don't get the money but also don't look like complete idiots yeah we're not gonna give away those tickets I mean I think it's poor I mean if you don't sell out then Exactly, we're not taking tickets away from, yeah.
1: the, from the Madrid fans, there's no way, with all due respect to Union, there is no way that Madrid are going to sell out the opening home game of a group stage against a team like Union Berlin, no it's chance. just not going to yeah. happen, so why not sell a few more, but yeah, they obviously don't want to be out-song as well, which is uh, a thing. <laughs> I and
0: mean, it would be anyway, I don't think yeah. it really matters, to be honest. Yeah. If so. you have, it
2: doesn't really matter if you have 3,000 or 8,000, I mean, Union will be loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah it's just
0: I, I agree with you but that's the way it's you know i guess for some teams you always have more but the bigger teams played one of the smaller teams in the european competition but frankfurt took it to like an extra <laughs> level with how many turn up to the new camp and i remember straight after that it was straight away yeah. like we're changing the rules not happening again and just followed suit i guess so you're going to madrid at least yeah that's great what about naples and braga then
1: out of the two napoli and Braga. I think I'd rather go to Napoli. To be honest, difficult one. Difficult one. I'd well. be
0: on, on a security level, maybe yeah, yeah, you'll be. Yeah. Just
1: wear a Maradona t-shirt and you'll be fine. It, it, you know, can't go wrong there.
0: You also are English as well, which will also play into your hand if the German team is there. At that yeah, time. That, that, that's certainly true. So yeah, that's that's Union, uh three other teams of course in the Champions League. Uh, don't worry, we will talk about them. Bayern, got United, uh Manchester United, that is Copenhagen and Galatasaray. <sighs>
2: Easy. It's quite Classic it was
0: quite a comfortable group you'd think yeah. for them. Galatasaray made a string of interesting signings to be fair in the transfer window, so um perhaps they might, well they might, might get not second, be, to, be to be honest. <laughs> They might not be quite as much of a rollover as we expect, but I would still say that uh, Bayern, if they don't finish first, will be disappointed with that. As we kind of said there, even United, you watched them enough, have not been great this season, and a few problems off the pitch there as well. So um, you'd expect them to finish first. Dortmund with a far tougher group. PSG, AC Milan and Newcastle.
1: That's a proper group. That is a really, really good group. Obviously, it's shit for Dortmund, but as someone who's not a fan of any of those teams, you can pretty much on any match day just watch one of the games out of that group because yeah. it's going to be great games.
0: I'm not going to lie, I could seriously see Dortmund finishing bottom of yeah, that group. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, definitely. Certainly we'll, we'll get to them in more detail in a bit, but the way they've started the season and the teams there, you know, Newcastle with with the money and uh certainly how they played at times last season will not be a rollover and then Milan and PSG have, You know, semi finalists last year for Milan and PSG are good enough to beat anybody convincingly on the day, especially a Dortmund side that isn't on the top form. So, I've
1: literally in my notes written Dortmund could finish bottom. I mean, there's absolutely no way that I fancy this Dortmund side to get a result in Newcastle, for example. You know,
0: part of me would think like actually finishing third would be a good result. Yeah, getting the Europa League and would actually be decent for them. It gives you another chance. winning European competition and I mean honestly I don't know how bad it could get for Dortmund this season but if they need to try and get into into the Champions League next year and they could be having a a tilt at the Europa League to do so it might be a bonus later on in the season Leipzig, Man City, who they seem to play every single year, yeah. um, Red Star, Belgrade, and Young Boys should finish second again, you yeah, think. Yeah, I mean,
1: the exact opposite with this group, I will not watch a single yeah. game.
0: No <laughs> desire to watch any of that, yeah, at all.
1: Although, I mean, maybe Red Star against Young Boys, that would yeah, be the one, the, that would be the one <laughs> game that I would watch out of that group.
0: But yeah, um should have been a second, you'd think.
1: Europa League draw. Well, before we move on, come on then, how how many German teams are going to qualify? That's the question, surely. Any competition
0: or Champions League? Well, OK, I think two will get through in Champions League. Yes. Yeah. And I think three will still be in European competition after yeah. After winter. At
2: least three. I think Union and Dortmund both will go to Europa League.
0: I, I really don't think Dortmund will. I think Dortmund's I think Dortmund will win one game. It and might that, be enough. Yeah, so draw like four. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but we'll get to their, their performances in in the league. But there's there are some problems at Dortmund. Certainly. Well, I'm still positive. That's a first, isn't it? He's <laughs> always positive about other teams. It's just Frankfurt <laughs> Europa League draw. Freiburg. In the competition last season, and did pretty well before losing to Juventus, West Ham, who won the Conference League last year, Olympiakos, and Baca Topola,
1: which seems uh, feels like a tough group, I reckon. I mean, West Ham and yeah.
2: Olympiakos—they had Olympiakos yeah. last year. Although, they, yeah, they did do well against so... the actually, To be fair, they should get second. They should Ooh, you get second.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I am yeah. nowhere near as confident as that. I think. West Ham, the way you know the way they play in the Premier League this year have looked good. Certainly play a style of football that suits them and seem to have a bit like Union in a way have tailored themselves towards playing the type of football they want to play with the signings they've made. Olympia I don't know too much about them, I don't watch them that hug regularly, but they're a team that are always in European competition and it's not easy to go there. If Freiburg have to be at towards the top of their game to get the results against them, back at Opora, Quite a nice away day, maybe. I think you should be looking to beat them both games. Sure, that's the, the whipping boys of the group, let's say.
1: I think at least having played Olympiacos last season, they're not going to be phased, mm. particularly with the away game. Mm. So I do fancy them to get out of the group, but just maybe not necessarily having won it.
0: But they could easily also win it and also finish third. I mean, like, I think the first three teams. There's not much separates mm, them. Yeah. It will depend on the results just between those teams, really. Leverkusen, meanwhile, with A really nice group for them. Uh, Carabag, Mulder, and Harkin. They're winning that group. Yeah. Yeah. And then the conference league which includes Frankfurt Mirko after they beat Levski Sofia 3-1 on aggregate 1-1 after the first leg and 2-0 at home for Frankfurt what do you think Mirko? Yeah I mean
2: late goals in the home game but I mean I think I always had the confidence I mean it would have been embarrassing <laughs> if they got eliminated no German team has ever gotten eliminated in the conference league playoffs I mean it was only three onion and Köln and Frankfurt now yeah i mean god (laughs) but anyway i mean you just have to win that game and you also have to get out of the group but the group is a pretty nice one and when i knew we qualified for conference league i was so happy because i thought like the trips are so much better than champions league and even europa league i mean yeah in europa league you can have decent groups we also had decent groups but i think trips why is Leverkusen and Freiburg both have rather boring groups, maybe? So our group is probably, Whoa. trip-wise, one of the best. If, if it's not for Union in yeah. the Champions League. But our group with Aberdeen Helsinki and uh, Thessaloniki Park, we have nice trips. And it's such a pity that I just switched my job and I don't have any holidays left oh mate so I can't make any of those games the Aberdeen away would have been brilliant yeah yeah, man. I mean I probably wouldn't have got tickets for any game because like we yeah. oh, the stadiums aren't the biggest we probably get like two and a half three thousand per game so it would have been tough but a trip to Aberdeen would have been great so many new beers Ah. <laughs> oh. But, I mean, I'm positive we're getting out of the group and then I'm in, whoever's coming.
0: Listen, you don't have to get out of the group with those three teams. I mean, Frankfurt are seasoned European competitors by this point and the other three, Park, you see, you see pretty regularly. Certainly Europa League and Conference League, you see them around. But, I mean, Aberdeen and... Former cup winners, cup. Co- a winners. long time ago. <laughs> I mean, in recent years, of course. I don't right. want to pretend that football started in 1992 yeah. before everybody jumps on me, but
2: yeah. Beat
1: Real Madrid in the <laughs> final, mate. Come
2: on. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a shame that Conference League, now everyone feels like if we don't go to the final, it's a big disappointment, which is also not true because like, yeah, you have to get out of the group. But from then on, I think there are really great teams mm-hmm. in it. And we've seen it last year. There were great teams from and from the last eight to the final, all teams are pretty much Europa League teams. It's yeah. kind of like, the difference isn't really big between Europa League and Conference Also, you have drop-downs. I mean, Liverpool could drop down in, into Conference League. Not that realistic, but, like, theoretically, it's possible. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it, you will have a competition from then on, and it, it's also, you, you have to get a bit lucky to not draw the hardest ones and stuff, but, like, I mean, quarterfinals, semi-finals should be the goal.
0: The out uh, the first round is now almost complete. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> incredible that Bayern and Leipzig still have to play their first round games, but you would expect them uh, both of them to get through them pretty comfortably. Uh, four Bundesliga clubs out of the 16 already knocked out in the first round, which is a, a solid number already, I think. Bremen lost 3-2 to Köln, 2-1 up. Which uh, Köln? Yeah, Victoria on, Köln, sorry, Victoria Köln. They were 2-1 up with 12 minutes remaining as well.
2: But... Down to 10 men, and I mean, the game screamed like Bremen's getting eliminated. And after the red card, I was like, it's done, they're out.
0: It's a shit result for a team like Bremen. It really is. Like, a Pokal run should be a real priority for a team that has probably got too much to get relegated. Like, it shouldn't really be a problem. Mm-hmm. So, How
2: without Crook. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll I
0: mean, uh, uh, by <laughs> that point, had, yeah, by that point, I haven't sold, but I don't know. That feels like a, a missed opportunity for them. BFL be beat Bochum. That we also mentioned on the last last episode, um, with the BLFL coach saying that Bochum played like a third division team. Uh, Augsburg lost to Unterhashing, 2 0. And Homburg beat Darmstadt three nil. Homburg played in the Regionalliga, which is the, the fourth tier.
2: Yeah. The biggest upset yeah. in terms of league wise. And the, just
0: how convinced it was. And I the mean. performance, yeah. 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 Darmstadt 3-0. weren't
2: even in the in the running.
0: Uh, both of your teams comfortably through uh, union won 4-0 at victoria of I, I think we can both i
2: i think we can both agree that i mean it looked comfortably if you look at the score line but we were both not that great right union also i mean frank oh, no, was pretty horrible for first 50 60 minutes well yeah you said on the last episode that uh
1: it wasn't the easiest 7-0 mm. win. But, um, but
0: I just can't have that. You yeah. can't win 7-0 and it be, oh, the scoreline doesn't tell the whole story kind of thing. You know, I mean, no way.
2: Yeah.
0: Second round draw is not until October the 1st. Can sub- like, maybe you can shed some light on this, Mirko. Which Why- Ridiculous. But why is it every year the same? Because every every year it's like weeks in advance for the next, like, the next draw. Because for some
1: reason they decide to always put the Super Cup right next to the first round of the Cup. So anyone who's involved in the Super Cup, Leipzig and Bayern, haven't played yet. And they don't want to obviously do the entire draw until all the teams are confirmed. Which
2: is stupid. Just make winner of hmm. that game plays XYZ winner of the other game plays another team
0: okay sure but i mean they both play their games in the midweek of the 20th, 27th right then but then the draws on the 1st of october so why do they wait on like an extra few they days they always do
2: it's sunday it's always a sunday right it's kind of like, like yeah. it's on tv and stuff
0: um and we mentioned at the start of the episode in regards to the german national team and um, it's been a while since we spoke about them as well but with the euros coming up a home euros at that as well um we were going to talk about the man's shaft i not called the man's anymore are they officially um, not officially yeah, but like we can still call I them mean, that it's okay
2: now it feels like the term is now used even more to make fun of them <laughs>
0: yeah anyway yeah hansi flick has been sacked as Germany manager after just over two years in charge won his first eight games it was all going swimmingly unfortunately only won four of the next 17 uh, it was a terrible world cup campaign where he could not even get out of the group as well it's been coming at it for two or three games I mean like there was already talk when he uh, after the world cup that he might get sat then but they stuck with him right man for the job that kind of thing but it's clear that something's not quite right results aren't happening against some of the teams that they played as well particularly they should be be doing better we are so used to Germany being a you know a stable solid certainly in terms of the managers you look at like how many managers they've had and how long they've been in charge you know Step Herberger was in charge for 14 years or Helmut Schoen was in charge for a similar amount of time you know like such long stretches And then to have a manager in for two years is, is, you know, he's only the third manager to last only two years. But otherwise it's four, which is still quite a long time, you know. So um, how has it come to this, I guess? If you look at
1: how they've played or if you look at actually some of the games for Flick, I think he actually has one of the best records in terms of chances created but he also has one of the worst records for chances converted and also one of the worst for opposition taking their own chances. So you've got this perfect storm of them not taking any of the chances that they create. You really get the impression from some of their games, particularly ones that they they lost, they were letting a lot of opportunities go begging and then you come up against teams who were just really, really efficient. You also then get the impression that the players as well, I'm not saying it's their fault, but it's certainly been noted in the press since this all or nothing documentary has come out in the past week about the World Cup. That perhaps the um, the intelligence within the group of players is maybe not the best. I think Kimmich has come under a little bit of scrutiny for uh, not being able to grasp some of Flick's tactical instructions uh, that seemed quite basic. It was also noticeable as well that uh, players like Muller, who played under Flick as well, were openly questioning some of Flick's tactics during the World Cup. It's not just the manager, it seems. It seems like the whole atmosphere is not that great. But at the same time, it's also maybe not that surprising if you look at the Bundesliga in general, because you've got a Bayern team that that is only getting worse, really, and is only getting over the line by the fact that it's Bayern and they've been successful because of maybe the non-German players that have been there. Everyone at Dortmund only knows defeat, and there's absolutely no way that they're reliable in any kind of tough situation. And all of that makes a difference, you know. If you look at 2014, for example, when Germany won the World Cup, a year before, you had Bayern and Dortmund in the Champions League final. Guardiola was in charge of Bayern at the time, and was in the middle of smashing every Bundesliga record that you've got going. You know, there's lots to enjoy about the Bundesliga at the moment from fan culture and all the stuff that we always talk about. But in terms of what's happening on the pitch, it's not really in a good state. And I think the national team now is just kind of reflecting that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not as if there's any, you know, the top German players are playing outside of the Bundesliga either. Do you know what I mean? I mean, there's... I mean, gunn Yeah, would be one example, but he's a... the only one would you say that the top Rudiger is not a certainly not a star at Real Madrid and I don't know if you call him one of the best players for Germany in recent months Kai Havertz is struggling massively um, in the Premier League at the moment, and he's still a regular player for the national team as well. Talking about Kai Havertz. interesting comments from him recently um, about the World Cup and that um, that whole campaign, and effectively saying that the, one of the reasons why they didn't um, do very well was the lack of support that they have back home. You know, Everybody else has major support, and and they don't. There's one way of looking at it, I guess. I don't know if it's, it's easy to um, sum up as that, but... It might have also had something to do with the fact that
1: Hansi Flick also tried to use geese to inspire the team. Apparently, when should have he- talked
2: about eagles. Wow, yeah,
1: it didn't even get the right, <laughs> didn't even get the right bird. Uh, apparently, when geese migrate, they do so following particular rules that allow them to fly up to seventy percent farther than normal, and he. Then decided to take that in some kind of motivational bullshit speech um, and said, uh, "Let's learn from the geese and make our biggest flight together in this
2: World Cup." Always uh, corny. Think, I think he also said, "Like it also doesn't help if you're even if your cow gives ten liters of milk and someone spills the bucket." <laughs> I mean, it it felt like he was trying to sell tickets on Instagram to stupid people who want to start a, a company uh, or something like why do you come up with those ridiculous motivational no, 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 no,
0: but you know what it is? You know what it is? It's like people then go back and look at this stuff and make fun of it when the results are shit. Because I remember the Arsenal one on Prime as well with my Arteta, and he was coming out with similar nonsense, like just kind of crap, like all this motivational crap. Fair enough. But the results look good, and then you go, "Oh, he fair was what He was saying everything. Mm. If
2: you're getting the results and you're saying stupid shit and you're getting the results, you've done everything right. But also why the fuck did they publish the documentary? Just scrap it. Just be like no one wants to see
0: it. But that's what you do if you sign the contract and you let it happen then you then at the end of the day Amazon aren't going to let you not I mean,
2: it. Hertha was filming for a documentary <laughs> and didn't publish it,
0: so they could have learned from Hertha. Oh, that would have been the best documentary of all time. I but
1: I also reckon that the DFB probably haven't got enough self awareness to
0: even recognize how stupid everyone in it actually looks. I mean, perhaps, yeah. perhaps. It's just a bit emblematic of the problems that the DFB have had in recent years uh, as well. And even the announcement of him being let go was also met with massive controversy because they announced it right when the German basketball team won the World Cup for the first time ever, almost at the same time that the final whistle came, which, on the one hand, you could argue it doesn't really matter it's football and basketball. It's not the same thing. On the other hand, somebody's got to have a little bit of self-awareness and go, hey, let's just wait an hour or two. Let's just wait a little bit of time.
1: Very bad news on a good news day. Perhaps,
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Julian Nagelsmann is the favourite. He is out of a job after being sacked by Bayern, of course. Uh, Jurgen Klopp is the other name that's been mentioned. That seems a bit of a pipe dream, to be honest. Um, Louis van Gaal, reportedly, <laughs> has been offered the job, but he's almost ruled himself out from some of his comments. So... Everything points towards Nagelsmann at the moment. Despite the fact that he's still under contract Mm. at
1: Bayern until 2026. And Bayern are likely to demand a figure in excess of 10 million euros to let him out. Because if you remember, they've paid an awful lot of money to get him into that job to begin with. So they're going to want
2: at least a little bit of money. But like... They're saving five to ten million every year that they don't have to pay him. So they also have an interest of getting him off the payroll. And I, I mean, it's Bayern and the national team and they're so close. And I can see Bayern be like, all right, we'll give you a good deal. And then maybe you help us out one or the
0: other time. Yeah, you scratch our back and we'll scratch yeah. yours, kind of thing. It's going to happen. Nagels going yeah. to be the manager. I, it, I, I, I can't can say it not, so. yeah.
2: Oliver Glasner was also mentioned, I saw, since he's but currently he's out But he's not job. that stupid to take that job. Also, it is not a and good job. And he's not job. German. Yeah, he's, yeah, Austrian, he's not yeah. German. And it's not a good job that you want at the moment. I mean, fair enough. If Klopp would have gotten sacked from Liverpool a couple of weeks, months, whatever, I, before, he might be interested. But, like, if you have a job right now... Do not
0: take the national team, because I don't I think, think you can win, really. If it goes badly for Nagelsmann, then his stock's low. He's been sat by Bayern, and there was already rumours about him being difficult or you know, not easy to work with, and then don't work with Germany. But if it goes well, he's a hero, so he'll take it. He's the best option that's going. Germany have never had a non-German manager, so it would have to take the very best of the very best. The non-German manager for them to hire f- to even consider it. If it's ten million euro for Nagelsmann, it's probably still a door right ideal. least it's stock's still high. They're not, they're not gonna pay ten million. Yeah, but even if it was, even if it was, his stock's still high enough that you go, Well, he's probably worth it and you know, he won the league at Bayern and at this point that job hasn't damaged his reputation that much. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's about time to speak about some Bundesliga football, isn't it? Finally. Yeah. <laughs> um Only three games played so far in the Bundesliga, but already have plenty to talk about. We'll kick off with some of the teams who have been doing well early on and the best top of the league even. uh, is Bayer Leverkusen, who uh, have nine points from nine won each of their first three games. They've been so impressive. Kicked off with a 3-2 victory over Leipzig. Um, then won 3-0 away at Gladbach. Were so dominant in that game. And then hammered Darmstadt 5-1. Perhaps that result is a bit part of the course for some of the better teams in the league after seeing Darmstadt this year so far. But um, 11 goals is a league high. So that puts them top of the table with a, a goal difference of plus 8. It's their best start in 10 years. And only the third time that they've won the first three games of a Bundesliga season. One um, mm. was almost 20 years ago. They've never scored 11 goals in the first three games, so that's also um, that's a record for them. So... Everything is going absolutely fantastically. Alonso, his style of football seems to be um, falling into place. The new signings are, are looking fantastic. Granite Xhaka is offering the experience that they wanted. Jonas Hoffman too. Uh, Victor Boniface, who perhaps we'll get to in a little bit more detail uh, in a sec. But it's all looking absolutely rosy, isn't it, for Leverkusen at the moment?
1: And the one player that we didn't even mention him at all in the preview when we really should have done, Florian Wurtz is back after his long injury. He came back towards the end of last season, but was obviously still trying to find his way back. But this time he's had a full preseason, and thankfully he looks back to the player that he was before he got injured. Because before he got injured, I mean, he was such a great, young talent. I mean he's what, the he was the he's the second youngest ever goal scorer in the Bundesliga, right? Yeah, after Mukoko, yeah. After Mukoko, yeah. And he had so much promise and potential and was so important to that Leverkusen side, even at such a young age. And you worry about getting such a big injury, whether or not he can come back and he has done, and he looks just as good as what he was before he's so important to this side really the way he carries the ball forward he's got a great eye for a pass he's so strong as well particularly for someone who is not that tall it's great to see him back and I love to watch him play and the way that he is able to just carry the team forward brilliant
0: Mm, yeah yeah a very very special player and we could talk about a whole host of players, couldn't we? Jeremy Frimpong is another one who um, has looked really good at the start of this season. He was great last year, but you know they only lost Musa Diaby, really, in the transfer window. Everybody else they kept, all the major talents they kept. Um, and you got the feeling that those players really wanted to stay at least for another year. And perhaps that Alonso factor, the style of football that he wants to play and the positivity that he brought us, has contributed to that. I mean, they've looked so good. The way they've really dominated games, so convincing in the victories. Um The Leipzig result almost feels a little bit closer than the game perhaps was, Yeah, to be honest. I mean, they were always sort
1: of ahead in that game. Yeah. And obviously on the first day of the season as well, you're never quite sure how games are going to mm. work out. You always think there's always going to be a few freak results in there. But they definitely deserve to win that. And uh, it's just, yeah, the way that the style of their playing, you know, very few other teams have got better pass completion than them. I don't think any team has played more short passes than them. And they've also got the fewest long passes of the Bundesliga. You can see that they're really trying to play this possession based quick football, but it's also the area of the pitch that they're doing mm. it in. There's, in terms of touches in the middle and attacking thirds of the pitch, I think Leverkusen are second in both categories. I think only Bayern have had more touches in the opposition penalty area as well. I think they've had the second fewest touches in their defensive third as well. They're trying to play so far up the pitch and dominate possession with really quick football that it just puts on opponents under pressure straight away. And they're keeping the defensive side of it solid because we talked a little bit over the seasons with Leverkusen and they would play ridiculously high up the pitch. But it was also really easy to cut through them. You know, we saw so many times over the years where teams could just go direct against them and they would suffer. But so far this season, they've also got the defensive solidity to be able to play high up the pitch and not get caught out on the counter-attack like like they were always doing under previous managers. In terms of footballing styles, you really feel like Leverkusen can go toe-to-toe with anyone. I mean, if you look at the Leipzig game and the Gladbach game as well, definitely the way they dominated that. It'll be interesting to see how they fare up against teams who won't do that, who will put the ball into the box, put them under a lot of aerial pressure. (laughs) Um, You know, how they deal with teams who play a different style. But certainly in the Bundesliga right now, if any team wants to go and actually play football against them, I back them. And The next game against Bayern is going to be real, real one to watch.
0: We were asked by John H. If Leverkusen take even one point from the Allianz, does it solidify Leverkusen as a contender for the title instead of just the Champions League spots? Uh, The first three games have, of course... Already, um, given way to uh, suggestions that Leverkusen could challenge for the title, so it's certainly something we need to to confront and discuss. I'm really wary to make any statements about that after three games. It feels really soon. Um, we didn't want to do it in the preview, and I don't really want to do it now either. But Champions League qualification should be if they don't qualify. Guarantee it, it's. They're definitely going to qualify. Just whether they can quite, quite challenge Biden. I'm, I'm more inclined to say they, they can, but I'm not going to put my neck on the line and say they will. Do you know what I mean?
1: I think that it will definitely help them as a team believe that they can do it because I remember, was it two? Or three seasons ago, they were top of the league and they went to Bayern, or did Bayern come to them?
0: Later on in the season as well, but it was already like 10, 11 games by that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Was, to, it, yeah, it yeah. was towards
1: uh, going into the winter break, I thought, and Leverkusen were top of the table, and I think Bayern came to Leverkusen and Bayern beat them.
0: Last minute yeah. goal from Lewandowski as well, massive mistake, yeah. and it just that killed them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From
1: that point on, the rest of the season was done, and their record after that was terrible. So I think getting a point won't necessarily mean that, oh, they're definitely going to be in the title race, but I do definitely think that it will help give them belief as a team that, ah, oh, do you know what? We can actually do something here.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Point be a point be a good result. I don't think they'll go to play for a point. I think they'll definitely go for a win. It's early on in the season. You probably feel with Bayern that early on in the season is the best chance to play them. It's the best time to play them any season. You know, they're a, they're not quite as warm, they're not quite you know, in a run of games, you've got an international break so they can't quite hit their stride. It's a good chance to play them, so I think they'll go for the win. They're playing away at Munich. Yeah, but you, that's what I mean. So, so they, I don't know what take a point, but I think they'll go there to win. I don't think, I think Alonso is the kind of manager who is going to go and, and play for a draw anywhere. I do want to talk about Boniface in a little bit more detail because he has been so good so far. What a player to have. Like, what a striker. He's got everything. Pace, power, trickery, technical ability, holds the ball up well, brings others into play. Like... You know, what a play. We saw him against Union last year in the Europa League. Was brilliant then. I still can't believe that I mean Leverkusen are a good side, yeah, sure, but that there's not like one of the some of the top teams just gone, hey, we need to get this guy. We need to sign him because he looks amazing. He will tear up the Bundesliga this year.
1: Leverkusen are kind of a I didn't go
0: and I didn't go another level.
1: Well, I wouldn't be surprised if he has one good season and wants to fuck off to an even bigger team. Like He clearly sees them as probably a stepping stone. But, I mean, if you look at Leverkusen's record
2: over the last 10 years or so, they're a solid European team. And it's an offensive team as well. So they can make him look really good. Mm. It's definitely a better step to go from the Bundesliga to English League, Spanish League, whatever, than straight up from Belgium. You probably wouldn't get like... He wasn't going to get a top, top team at this
0: moment, probably. Perhaps, perhaps. But he's just been so dominant. So dominant. I mean, that's probably the most important word in his performances. Him up front, Patrick Schick still to come back as well um, from injury. You know, kind of forgot about him, but when he was at his best, he was he was great as well. You talk about Verts, Jonas Hoffmann's come in, you know, great Bundesliga player to have and... There's so much quality in this Leverkusen side, not just the first 11 They've got options off the bench in the squad as well, which I think is the most important thing for teams who do want to challenge by. And they need a little bit more than just just the first eleven, um, And they have that. Let's talk about Stuttgart as well, who uh, have had a really good start to the season. And you wouldn't have expected that to be the case if you look at the transfer window. It's been difficult for them. They've lost important players, Mavropanos to West Ham for 20 million euros Endo went to Liverpool for around the same price and he's been a really important player for them captain as well for Stuttgart of course Borna Sosa don't like him we don't have to talk about him ever again from this point onwards but um, he's been an important player for Stuttgart as well with the number of assists that, that, he, that he provides um, Florian Muller in the end um, replaced by Bredlaw, but he's also been an important goalkeeper for them in recent years as well so To lose those four players and then to win two of your first three games 5-0. Great resilience had a real response to that. I mean, people were probably questioning how they would do this season at that point. Yeah,
2: I mean... After the transfer window, with the losses of the key players, I think Endo was one of the best sixes in the Bundesliga. And I can definitely understand why Liverpool would pick him up. He kind of helped them and held the team together. He was really important. Then, of course, they had Hoeneß coming in from Matarazzo last year. So also the manager is fairly new. Then he has a new team. So that all usually takes a bit of time. And I wouldn't have expected Stuttgart to be that good at uh, at this point. But I also don't see them continue like that. Hmm. I mean, um, Guraci was also really great and he's as his kind of as their number nine and their, one of their key players will be important. But I think other teams will also pick that up and see, all right, uh, let's defend more against him and stuff. So I can't really see them continue also. The two 5-0 wins were at home, one against Bochum, who also lost against Bielefeld, a third division team in the Cup, so fair enough. A week later, they lose against Stuttgart. Feels like they have some problems by themselves. Uh, And then, yeah, the other one was against Freiburg, who usually was better in the last five to ten years, at least the last five years. Freiburg usually was better than Stuttgart, and it's a bit of a derby, Freiburg against Stuttgart, so yeah, 5-0 is a little upset. But, I mean, Freiburg always had those games in where, like, they lost fairly high, like, because they're always going forward. They, they they concede one or two goals and they're still like, all right, let's still keep going forward. Maybe we'll get something and then they're getting better. So, yeah, two really good results. Beating um,
0: Freiburg 5-0 shouldn't be dismissed. Yeah, Freiburg it, won both their first two games of the season. They finished in the top six in back-to-back seasons. They've reached a Pokal final last two seasons. They're at the moment they're one of the better sides, one of the top sides. If we're saying the top six, seven of the top sides in, in Germany, they are. They belong in that group at the moment. Um, and Stuttgart tore them apart.
1: Absolutely, that's definitely the most impressive result out of the three. It is also great to see how they're doing it with a relatively young squad as mm, well. If you yeah, look, at, God, yeah. if you look at their best players so far, like Ito, Furich, uh Mio, Silas, Mittelstedt, Nubel, Stiller against Freiburg, they're all pretty much under twenty-six or so. So they've got a real group of players who are able to actually improve as well. That if they can keep some of these players together and benefit from having a coach that is able to improve them as well, then yeah, we maybe sort of said in the preview that Stuttgart could be looking at mid table and the, the, and the way they've certainly started the season, that seems to be yeah, still like a realistic goal for them.
0: There's not a single player in the squad over 28 years old. Wow, it's it's a really young squad. I mean, and you know, it's for certain clubs that could point to an issue like experience, but for Stuttgart, it might not be. You know, they're not looking to win the league. They're not looking to be a team that's going to win every week. They're looking, perhaps, they're looking for that little bit bit more of innocent hunger let's say and you know that perhaps will lead to results like the one against Leipzig but if Stuttgart go back to the team when they first got promoted under Matarazzo that had those results in them but also was so exciting like when they batted Dortmund um, away from home and they finished 10th that's that's a great progress for Stuttgart they've been close to relegation for the last couple of years now and have just got away with it they've got a new manager and they've got a bit more positivity and they have quality, you know, players like Furish and Miel, as you mentioned, and, and Girati, who's been so impressive so far. Five goals already in three games. Good that they could held on to him. They've only had 41 shots this season. One every four shots effectively is ending up in a goal, which is which is super efficient. Keeping that efficiency up will be a challenge. They perhaps need to create a little bit more to continue to score goals and win games like that. I don't know. Um Two clean sheets already, which is as many as they kept all last year.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant.
0: Yeah, Best starting they've had in 15 years. They've never scored 10 goals in the first two um, home games.
1: Yeah, and if you look at their upcoming fixtures as well, they've got Mainz, Darmstadt and Köln. Good games where you think, okay, yeah, we can get some points here. And if they start the season well, like you said, with the first season when they came back up, you get a bit of momentum and a bit of belief and then they can be dangerous for sure.
0: Uh, yeah, especially for a team like Stuttgart where they get some points on the board against some of the lower teams and then they can go to the better teams and play with freedom and they might pick up a result here or there and they get through that. and then you're... Stuttgart's objectives this season won't be high. You know, a top half finish would be absolutely fantastic. So you get early points on the board and you've got that freedom for young players especially where confidence is extra important. I think, yeah. So for George Clark, who asked us um, what is behind the Stuttgart performances so far, I hope we answered your question in regards to how Stuttgart are doing. Bayern. Bayern win three games at the start of the season in a row. It's perhaps not out of the ordinary, but after the defeat to Leipzig, particularly, where they lost 3-0 and they were, they were easily beaten, there were some questions as to well, the question is whether they would win the league this year, even if Leipzig could dethrone them after that performance. But to respond with three, I would say, convincing victories, to start against Bremen, um, win 4-0, they were, they were good in that. Um, they were good against Augsburg, 3-1, 3-0 up in a late goal for Augsburg, made it look a little bit tighter than it was. And then the Gladbach result, they win 2-1, it's a late winner. It looks like they've been pushed, but they weren't really. Gladbach scored and were barely in the game at any other point. Bayern knocked at the door the whole game. It's a place and a team that they've played in recent years and really struggled against. And it's come from behind and to win, to, you know, to score score a win late on and keep that belief that you still win the game, I think is, um, is a good sign for them to win like that. So yeah, perhaps usually it's part of the course, but I think for Bayern, it's important that they have started the way they have, especially this year.
1: Yeah, I think people looked into that 3-0 loss against Leipzig with more hope than anything else because we said it in the last episode, well, me and Mirko did, it's a friendly, it didn't mean anything. When, when actually it comes to the crunch and it's like, okay, this is a competitive game now, Bayern, they step up another level and they're able to turn it on. And okay, in terms of what you would expect them to do, You'd expect them to beat Bremen, you'd expect them to beat Augsburg. The Gladbach result, yeah, is probably the one that you think, ah, okay, fair enough, you've actually shown something there. Um, But I mean,
2: Gladbach's also not the Gladbach they were a couple of years. I mean, fair enough, against Bayern, they seem to turn up (laughs) every single year. But against Leverkusen, for example, they weren't in the game at all. And I mean, I've not seen the Bayern game, but Gladbach is... Not that great anymore. So you need to beat them, even though you somehow have problems against Gladbach. Bayern needs to beat them. And Bayern in the league, they're turning up. And you see in other teams, it's not that easy to just straight up win the first three games. But Bayern is capable of doing that nine out of ten times.
0: Yeah, but it's not something they always do either. I mean, it's not like... I think buying are worse at the start of the season than they are later on in the year. You know, we've spoken in the past about how they're capable of going on a run of winning, you know, nine, ten matches in a row. But that's generally later on. That's rarely at the start that they go on that. And they're certainly in the last five, six, seven years, it's been more as the season goes on, they really start to push on. They Really put distance between themselves and and whoever the challenger is at that point. Usually Dortmunds, but he'd be rusty at the start of the year and he, he can struggle a little bit. And there have been rubblings of problems at, at, at Bayern. You know, there's been suggestions that Tuchel's fallen out with um with the hierarchy. or doesn't see eye to eye with members of the hierarchy. There has been a transfer window that in part has been positive, but in part has been negative as well. Not the right players have been brought in. The squad's a little bit bare. Um, there was a last season that you know they only just won the title on the final day, and they won the league in the, the day, but for Bayern, that's not really enough. To go down to the last minute to have to win the league is not really good enough for where they see themselves in, in the Bundesliga. So when all of those things put together could suggest that things won't go well on the pitch, but the team and the manager get the results. I think it's a little bit ominous, really, for anybody who wants a challenge because they're not at their best. They're not at full steam. If they get full of steam, it could, this year it could be quite quick where they're well ahead and, and away. And talking about um, building up steam, certainly not the case for who you would usually expect to be Bayern's main contender, Dortmund, um, who've had a... A disappointing start to the season um, across their first three games already regretting my predictions but I you mean y- you have to
1: <laughs> I regretted it before I even said it to be honest but there uh, is really I said in the last episode we'll see in the first six games whether or not Dortmund are going to be up for a title challenge and we've seen that they're not
0: even at my expectations which were low <laughs> I didn't expect them to be quite this poor at this point um They beat Curl 1-0 on the opening day of the season and that was lucky. Effectively a last minute goal from Marlon which was a miss hit. Freak. Yeah, it was a freak, yeah. Yeah. Um, Curl played really well and deserved at least a point if not all three. Against Bochum... Seven shots on target to three in Bockham's favour. Dortmund dominated possession, but again they fell one nil behind and Marlin got an equaliser, but another poor performance. Two nil up against Heidenheim in fifteen minutes and still could not see the game out. Um against a home. Team. at home At home. Against a team that has lost their first two matches in the Bundesliga, only their third ever Bundesliga game ever. They came back to 2-2 and looked by far the more likely of the two teams to actually go on and win the game. It's been abysmal. It's been abysmal, it really has. I watched the Bochum game in, in particular, and they, they were very poor in that. Very disappointing. I mean, it's just, you want Dortmund, you know, we've watched Dortmund so much wanting them to be the challenger, but this, this team's absolutely nowhere near winning a Bundesliga. They're just so far away. I sound so disappointed I can hear it in my own voice.
1: <laughs> well, is already annoyed at Dortmund because I think they've messed up his bets so far on two match days so far this season.
2: Yeah, and the second one, I wasn't even betting on them winning. I just want, needed a goal scorer. <laughs> um, I mean... Last year, they had the pressure and couldn't win against Bochum. And you could be like, all right, fair enough. It's close to the end of the season. There's so much pressure on. You need to win those games. But now it's the start of the season. uh, And Bochum started horrible. And they still can't beat them. And it's like you're at home against Heidenheim. You're 2-0 up. What are they scared from? Just close the game. Just win it. And last year, they lost 3-2 against Bremen, who also got just promoted, right? Bremen was the first year in the Bundesliga again. So, I mean, why are they so scared against teams just promoted at home when they're leading? I mean, I can't find a reason why Dortmund is that poor and why they don't have the self-esteem. They should still have a big backpack of (laughs) self-esteem for the great season, last season. So, how can this all be gone after six weeks of summer?
0: Well, I mean, I don't know if it's always easy to sum up the problems because of the loss of one player, but Bellingham was such an important part of that team. He was their best player and, honestly, it came across as if he was already one of the leaders. He was a captain. He was the youngest ever captain in their history when other players were out last year. He was missing from the last game and they couldn't beat Mainz at home to win the league. So, him leaving and... People may have seen this, but there's one story in particular that's really caught my eye over the last few weeks, and it's the the story about how Bellingham was apparently very unpopular in the Dortmund um, changing unpopular. room. Unpopular? Unpopular, apparently, because he wanted to be the last player to go to the fans after games and take the applause on his own, and apparently he was uh, deemed as arrogant or seen as arrogant by players um, in the dressing room. And the squad were happy when he left to go to Real Madrid. This is the this report to come out. And then it was kind of backed up by Matthias Sama in an interview he gave, um, saying that this thing and to go and be the last one to go to the fans and take the applause was was true and he had to, he had to speak to him, he had to go and speak to Bellingham and tell him that um this is something that you can't do, you have to go together. And then he made the comment about how um, if he was at Real Madrid, players like Tony Cruz and Luka Modric and Tony Rudiger would sort him out straight away and they put him right. Which kind of brought me to two questions, really. I mean, firstly, what does it say about the squad mentality that they want their best player to leave, if that side of things is true? But also, what does it say about the leadership in the dressing room if They'll do it around Madrid, so he expects Tony Cruz and Mods Rich and Rudiger to do it around Madrid, but he has to go and do it himself at Dortmund. There's no one in the Dortmund dressing room that, if there is a problem with a player, will go to the player and go and tell him. A 19-year-old will go and tell him, this is not how you act, you should do this and this and whatever you have to do, and they won't do it. This is exactly I mean, the problem we're talking about. He's just confirmed the thing that we've said is there's no leadership in the dressing room at Dortmund. There are a bunch of weak players who do not have the mental ability to really compete at the highest level. Yeah, I mean, the big
2: leaders are Royce, then Bellingham who left, Emre Can maybe. I can understand Royce doesn't really have that much to say in an argument against Bellingham because like, the way they are as uh, important on the pitch is just... It's clearly unbalanced. Bellingham was just so much more important. So what can Royce really say? Um, I I mean, I don't really understand why Bellingham would have this idea of I need to be the last player uh, but it's difficult for Royce for example to set him right because like the, uh, he doesn't really have the argument.
0: No it's not no it's not he's the captain that's the thing like perhaps this is the mentality of Dortmund where the players think they can't say things to the talent who's going to leave Real Madrid for 100 million the summer no if there's a problem with a player especially if he's a teenager who's got less experience and you're a senior figure you set him right like it's no no way sorry man so that's a cop out because you're not having your best season no way is in the dressing room no matter who no matter what player it is and no matter what their status is if you're the captain you said it right simple as that and Royce has never struck me as a captain type he's a very good player and because he's the best he's been one of the best Dortmund players for a long time is why he's got the armband but he doesn't strike me as a player who will take teams or take the players by the scruff of the neck and really tell them exactly what it is that is expected from them at a team like Dortmund. In Dortmund's squad, there is... I cannot think of a single player with whom that's the case. Ray Chan's a captain now, and... Pff, he doesn't really strike me like that. He strikes me as the kind of player who will shout his mouth off, but not really in the right way or in an instructive way. Um, Yeah, yeah. And when the going gets tough in a game like against Mainz last year, his attitude and body language on the pitch was, for a player who's captain a few months later, disgraceful, to be perfectly honest. So, who else is there? You know, it's Dortmund are a team that's signed a load of kids. I guess this start of the season is not to be unexpected. um, But... They're unbeaten. I mean, is, is it the the one thing they can hold on to? They haven't lost, have they? They, haven't lost they probably yet, would so. have
2: taken two wins and a loss.
1: Yeah, but it's the way in which they're playing, though. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, there's a real lack of creativity. Only Darmstadt have played more long balls than Dortmund. When you watch the games, they might dominate the games in terms of the possession that they have, but they really come across as having a real lack of creativity and goal-scoring opportunities. You mentioned there with the Bochum game and whatnot. Mm. Sometimes I've watched Dortmund in the past and they've been battering teams and they've had opportunities and they just can't get the ball in the net for whatever reason. But so far from what I've seen of them this
0: season, it's not even been that. They lack urgency as well. It feels like, yeah, dominating possession, having all the ball, but that possession is in harmless areas of the Mm. pitch. They're not getting the ball into the players or the key players that they have going forwards who can create something quick enough. The only thing to be getting the ball into the box enough, they've got Haller, who's a big, strong player, who's good in the air. They don't seem to be using his talents or qualities enough either. The transfer business is comical. I mean, it was so obvious to everybody they need a centre-half and they could do it in a midfielder. They don't need a striker. Hmm. They don't need a striker. They've got Sebastian Haller, who they paid a lot of money for last year and he's going to have a whole season ahead of him. They've got one of the most was at least one of the most exciting young talents in Germany, perhaps hasn't quite back that up, but hasn't been given enough opportunities, really, at Dortmund. He's, when he has played, he has looked good. He's certainly not looked bad. They didn't need another striker. They don't need one. So why have you gone out and spent your budget on... A striker who is not really going to play. He's not going to be first choice, is he? Dortmund don't play with two strikers. They play with one striker. They play with two wingers. Simple as that. I don't
1: understand the Crook signing at all. I was massively shocked by it. It just seems like a lose situation all round because Bremen lose a player who was probably going to stop them from getting relegated... Foucault goes somewhere where he's not going to play as much, as you said, because that's the way that Dortmund play and there's only one striking position available. And so therefore he's going to probably jeopardize his spot in the squad for the Euros for Germany. And Dortmund have now got less money to spend on players in areas that they actually need addressing. It just It's yeah. a completely bizarre signing that I, I genuinely thought was a joke when I first heard it.
0: Yeah, so no doubt a um, bizarre transfer um, for Krug a bizarre way to end the transfer win over Dortmund. Um, it's the first season since 2018-19 when they haven't lost in the first three games, which seems actually mental <laughs> that they have that in the last four seasons. They could not lose one of the first three games. It's also the lowest amount of points they've had at this stage of the campaign in the last 14 years.
1: That makes no sense to me. <laughs>
2: Because they always would lose one and win two. Win two yeah. Ah. Uh, okay. Yeah, That's generally how they would. Um, okay. How they would start. Which the season. they probably would have taken as well mm. this season. Because like two draws
0: in three games is already certainly against teams that you you have to beat. I mean, you know, Bochum come off. We uh, go back to if it's a, it's a local derby, so you know, perhaps they're up for it more. I don't know, but you come off a five-nil loss on the opening day of the season against the Stuttgart team that. Well, I know we talked about being good, but it's a disappointing loss, certainly, <laughs> for Bochum.
1: Exactly. And I said this last season when I was defending the fact that they drew 1 1 in the away game towards the end of the season. I said, you know, it was a Friday night, difficult game. Towards the end of the season, Bochum have got something to play for. You could, you know, Derby, etc. You could maybe understand that a draw there is not the worst result, but. If you go there and draw on a Saturday afternoon in the middle of the season or at the start of the season, that's a terrible result. And that's exactly what they've done this time.
0: It's a major, major disappointment. We've been asked by Kunle Ajao whether Dortmund's already out of the title race. I've got to be honest, I I didn't really think they were in it in the first place. So for me, yes, absolutely no chance I win the league. Not a hope in hell.
1: I mean, I can't really go back on what I said earlier when I mentioned the fact that We'd see in the first six games whether or not they were going to be there. And honestly, yeah, I've seen nothing to make me think that they will be.
2: Well, will Bayern lose in the first six games? That is the question as well. I mean, they're playing Liverpool, and We said that. I think they're going to win it. Then they have Bochum. And then they play Leipzig away. So I can see them... At least slip up once. So if Dortmund wins all three, they're back in it. Damn, they I
0: won't do that. They will not win all three games. That's like the thing.
1: Yeah, they've got to go away to Freiburg, and then they're at home to Wolfsburg, who uh, looked pretty good. Yeah, both, looked all right. Yeah, you know. Um, and
2: then they're away at Hoffenheim. Yeah, yeah, Dortmund won't win the next three games. It's not looking that good.
0: If you want a title challenger, you're gonna to have to look elsewhere. Dortmund. Yeah. This season, I really, I really do think that. Darmstadt, their start of the season has been more expected, shall we say. Um, it's been poor, certainly, even poor in Dortmund because they don't have a point to their name yet um, in the Bundesliga. It's even worse when you look at the fact that they've lost all four of their games um, in all competitions this season, including that comprehensive cup defeat to Hamburg. 1-0 defeat to Frankfurt, 4-1 loss to Union. They played most of that game against 10 men as well. 5 1 loss to Leverkusen. Leverkusen have been played really well, but they definitely could have made it more difficult for, for Leverkusen. They had 13 shots on target in that game. I'll leave the floor a little bit to you guys on this because you both watched them play against your respective teams. Perhaps you've got a, a better overview, a better point of view of how you, you think they'll, they've will they played this season for, for a start and how you think they'll do.
1: As I mentioned just before with Dortmund, I said that Darmstadt are the team that have played the most long balls this season considering they're also struggling to score and not really creating many chances, it doesn't really say a lot about their chances overall of staying in the league, really. I watched them play against Union, like like you just said, and Union scored very quickly with the Gosens. Union looked completely in charge. Then went down to 10 men, and Darmstadt equalised straight away, but I think that was just more of the fact that Union were trying to reorganise themselves, because after that... They didn't really do much. So I think Renault made one really good save, but other than that, they offered very little and Union just sort of kept on playing the same way, took back control of the game and looked like a team that wasn't actually down to 10 men, really. I don't think if you, did, if you didn't know that they'd have been a sending off, I don't think you would have necessarily thought that about the way that the game was played out.
0: Absolutely. I mean, they conceded three-headed goals against Union. Like I know Neon are really good in the air and they really use that part of their game well, but it's still criminal to allow a team that's really good in the air to score three-headed goals. And like, two
1: of those were from set pieces yeah. as well. There was a free kick and then there was a corner. It's like if you're a promoted team, it sounds so basic and such a cliche, but you've got to defend your set pieces properly because that's the one time in the game where you can pretty much guarantee we can man-mark or we can make sure that we're not outnumbered. You know, if you get picked off on the counter-attack, okay, fair enough, that happens. But a set piece, you can actually be organised and make sure that you don't allow players to get a free run on the ball, which is essentially what happened.
0: Against 10 men, you've yeah. got an extra man as well. You've got a man advantage <laughs> to mark the most you know dangerous player in the air with two players and still... You know, still can't prevent it. Really disappointing.
1: I mean, you could sort of maybe argue that given the games that they've had, you doubt they could have really expected anything other than three losses. But it's more the manner of the defeats. Yeah. And then also you've got the fact that you've got uh, the next three games, Gladbach, Stuttgart and Bremen are coming up. Now, you've seen before, and we've said it so many times with newly promoted teams, after 8-10 games, they're already so far adrift because they've lost 90% of the games. Momentum, so important. And yeah, so you might get later on in the season where you play some of the easier teams and some of the teams where you might be able to pick up points, but it doesn't bring you much if you're already you 5-10 points behind and uh, uh, un- cut adrift in the relegation zone.
0: Having to play catch-up as well. like newly promoted teams, it's just a nightmare yeah. situation to be in. So, um, And it's also worrying that Marcel Schuhe and the goalkeeper
1: has probably been their best player, which yeah. is never a good sign either. <laughs>
0: never a good sign at all. The 1-0 defeat to Frankfurt is probably the highlight of their season so far, <laughs> which is, again, not a good
2: sign. Mirko, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, they weren't as good as the, the season before when we played them in the Cup and they really put us under pressure. But I mean, it was also due to a lack of creativity from us. So Darmstadt wasn't that great. I mean, they were fairly stable on the defensive side. And goal-wise, if they want to score, one of their goals was also after set-piece. That, that, that is a classic thing where they will probably look forward to scoring. So just stand solidly somehow in the defense and then try to score set-piece. That's probably the main strategy or also with the long balls, like Richard mentioned. Yeah, I don't see them offering really much and it's it's no surprise they lost three games so it will be tough for them to get points for me it's not a, it's not a disappointment in terms of like they they playing spectacularly bad i mean union also had a really good game with 10 men so it's not the biggest shame and then leverkusen yeah fair enough they are just pretty good at the moment so it's not not the biggest mess up for them to lose those three games in those in the in that fashion um the cup is probably more also of a of a warning sign of mm. being like well we should have more quality to yeah i mean if they lose somehow in 120 minutes after penalties whatever a close game but they
0: they were beaten easily so it's not looking good you do ask where the points are going to come from at all because On the one hand, they don't create anything. So they're not creating enough chances. They scored two goals in four games so far this season. So that's one thing. On the other hand, they're not very good defensively because they've conceded 13 goals in four games against good Bundesliga sides, and against a fourth division side in the, the Cup. Well, do they work hard? Well, they don't even seem to do that that much. They've won the fewest amount of duels in the Bundesliga so far this season. They've run less than any team in the Bundesliga this season, so they're not even providing that either. So, what are they providing? That they, they seem to be offering absolutely nothing that gives any hope for them to stay in the league this year, so... Again, early to say, but writing does seem to be on the wall. Things need to change, and they need to change quick. Maybe a, a week, two-week break for the, international, for the internationals gives them a little bit of time to regroup and think, well, let's try and at least concentrate on one of these areas where we're not doing enough and try and build on that and you know, base our game around that, I don't know.
1: They need to get Chisula on the pitch. He's not played a single game yet. What's going
0: on? Yeah, a bit of bite, come exactly. on. exactly. And then Mainz, um, who started the season uncharacteristically um especially over the last couple of seasons the both svensson uh just one point to their name so far they got hammered 4-1 by union in the opening game of the season and it was an easy game for union they were by far the better team uh against frankfurt 1-1 which is not a bad result on paper but they were one the up and frankfurt played the last half an hour with 10 men and they still couldn't go over the line and a 4-0 defeat to bremen who didn't start the season particularly well themselves in the first two games. Just lost Fraud Krug, who was a really big player for them, um, and they were still steamrolled. Bremen hadn't won a home game in six months before that. Mainz now haven't won in eight league games. Quite a long run to go on without picking up a victory. Um, Lost Anton Stark in the transfer window as an important player for them. Again, you've seen Mainz play both of your teams, so probably better to ask you what you thought when your respective teams watched them.
2: Well, I would say the game against Frankfurt was probably their best game of the season and they should have won it easily. They were so much better. Frankfurt, again, no creativity up front, nothing. Uh, and Mainz have two or three chances where they can make it 2-0 at the end. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Frankfurt lost a player. But Mainz should have closed it off. And Frankfurt also didn't really look like scoring. So it was fairly lucky That they got the equalizer. Good game from Mainz. Should have gotten three points there. For the rest, yeah. Against Bremen, I think they were also fairly decent in the game. It was a game that could have been 6-3. Bremen had a really good game. Especially Schmid in midfield. Really good game. But, I mean, they also were fairly effective. So if, if Mainz gets a goal in the game, they have something in there. Mainz can get something. It's also an away game. So if you lose 3-1 at Bremen, it's not a big upset for me. Um, they were trying to play some football and they just lost Stach the week before. So it was yeah. the first game with them not playing. So yeah, Bremen also, yeah, just a really good day. Mainz not the best. And, and then against Frankfurt, I think they were by far the better team. So for me, it's not really a Mainz team that's had a bad start, I would say.
1: They have been letting in a lot of basic goals though. I think that's the thing. Their defensive performances so far this season have been really, really poor. If you like look at the the second Barons goal for Union against Mainz, I mean he's literally standing in the box between the penalty spot and the six yard box, unmarked, in yards of space. The biggest guy on the pitch pretty much who is give him a header and he'll put it in the net. And he's just stood there just waiting for a cross. And the cross comes in and he gets his second header of the game. I think his whole hat trick actually in that game was headers, if I'm not mistaken. It was just really, really shoddy from uh, Mainz and a bit symptomatic of how they're defending at the moment. It has been a bit difficult for Svensson in terms of uh, trying to get players on the training pitch. I think he was saying that... In recent weeks, he's only been able to get 10 players onto the training pitch because of injuries and players going off on international duty and whatnot. Um, And he's saying they've been having to do a lot more video analysis rather than actual training. And that obviously makes it harder to put things into practice. But even so, there's, yeah, certainly they didn't offer that much going forward against Union. So maybe, obviously, it seems against uh, Frankfurt, it was a different story. But certainly so far the defending is something that they really need to sort out. Um, Their next game is at home to Stuttgart, so I think maybe we might see more of where both teams actually stand Mm. as well. It'd be interesting to see how Stuttgart go into that game or what Stuttgart can get out of that game, because they've obviously started well. We'll see whether or not Mainz can get a bit of a reaction and maybe pick up a, a win which you would ordinarily have said, yeah, they will win at home to Stuttgart.
0: Yes, well, I mean, it just feels quite uncharacteristic from Mainz. They're so usually well, well-oiled, well well-drilled. That's what we come to expect under Svensson. Not many hammerings, but 4-1, 4-0, they both fall into that category in the first two games of the season. You know, they won one in the Cup, and you know it's a narrow victory against the Second Division in time. So you can't really win if you're a Bundesliga team in the, in the Pokal. I appreciate that early on, but it could be better, certainly. Just said the next game in Stuttgart is is an important one. You lose that, and it started to look a lot bleaker quite quickly. Since we last recorded, the transfer window uh, has come to a close, and it was it was a busy window for Bundesliga clubs, um, certainly compared to previous uh, transfer windows or m- the most recent transfer windows, anyway. Bundesliga clubs received just over one billion euros in this transfer window, and um, that's almost double last summer. Um, but that also meant they spent two hundred sixty million euro more than last summer. Um, Seven hundred forty-eight million this time around, compared to four hundred eighty-four million last time out. Uh, still behind the Premier League, Serie A, and Liga, but above La Liga in terms of spends this summer. So I guess we'll come to. The clubs that we have here involved in the studio. And Mirko, how about you? Since we last spoke, it was not the best for Frankfurt, really. Losing Curumwani and Lindstrom as well um, were the particular blows. The Curumwani situation, I mean, that's... uh that ended up being a bit farcical in the end, didn't it?
1: Is he gone? Yeah, he's yeah. gone. Oh, he's actually gone now. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: it was a bit of a Harry Kane situation where like, all right, at six in the afternoon, like, yeah, he's staying. And then three hours later, oh, he's leaving. I would say our situation actually improved because the situation was always like, he's probably going to leave. He's probably going to leave. He's probably going to leave. And now we got like 90, 95 million euros for him. I mean, depending on bonuses and stuff and whatever. But... That is a good deal. I was always saying, like, if you get 90 plus, you have to do it. Because if he has just an average season now, I mean, the Bundesliga also knows him. He's not going to walk like last season. He's still pretty good. He's still going to score like 10 plus easily. If he doesn't get injured, that would also be the worst case. But if he only has an average season, like scoring 11 goals, three assists, whatever, we might still get 60, 70 million. But if he gets injured, we might get even less. So get those 40, 30, 40 million more in because he would definitely leave next summer. It was always only the case of one more year. And then you have to have the risk of like, yeah, maybe we're getting less. He also had a pretty good World Cup, almost scored the winning goal. So, I mean, money wise, I would say... yeah, good deal. I mean, it's it's the situation is just a bit bad because we couldn't sign anyone in replacement because we just lost them minutes before closing.
0: Right, but do you not think it's therefore better to take 5-10 million less, which they were reportedly offered a couple of days before, take that and then you can go, okay, we've got enough money here to go and sign a really good striker. We've we got, we got a bit of time to do it, a bit of time to get it done. I know from what I heard, Frankfurt were relying on the PSG striker, Eketike, to say... I'll go to to uh, Frankfurt on a... They were offered a cheaper price, reportedly by PSG, because Colomani was going there, than turning around on the deadline and saying, okay, I can go now. You can go now. Because you've put us in this situation. No, he was in Paris waiting for the deal to happen, reportedly saying that you're going to refuse to play for Frankfurt or not interested at all in going back. Doesn't give a shit. It's not ideal. It's, yeah. not ideal. it's not ideal.
2: The amount of money we have is uh, is definitely good. And also, we, we had some last-minute signings in Nielsen Kunku, a left-back, who already scored against Köln in the Bundesliga. And then Chaibi from uh, FC Toulouse, who's a, who's a left-forward, who seemed to be replacing Lindström. So, I mean, the squad is still decent, striker-wise, we lost quality. But, I mean, the goal now is... Just somehow get through the first half of the year. Somehow finish top 10 in the Bundesliga, which should still be possible. And then, yeah, maybe get a striker in in the winter. Let's hope not everyone is trying to rip us off because they know we got money. But yeah, that's just the situation. The team has to do it and the team is still good enough to get out of the group stage and finish top 10. And if we don't qualify for Europe. In this Bundesliga campaign, and it's also not the worst
0: for Frankfurt. It's a case of outgoings towards the end. For Union, um, it were the incomings that was the big news, uh, and a bit of a, a bit of star quality that perhaps we asked for in the previous episode <laughs> that it ended up coming in. Um, we mentioned Robin Gosens, and his deal was uh, confirmed shortly after recording. Kevin Fuland coming in as well, and then. The big one I guess is it the big one. Uh certainly the the most eye-catching one is Leonardo Bonucci um on a free from Juventus. Uh so Richard, what do we make of all that?
1: Well, I'm most excited about Folland for some reason. I mean, I really I remember I was a big fan of him when he was playing at Leverkusen back when like in the early days of the podcast. He was uh he just seems like the exact kind of player that suits Union 100%. Gorsens is obviously again Fantastic signing. It was so mad in that Mainz game, opening game of the season. He came on off the bench and it was like, I'm watching a player whose last game was the Champions League final and Mm -hmm. now he's playing for Union. (laughs) Not really uh, that bad. But then, yeah, obviously, Benucci, brilliant signing. I was a little bit sort of, I guess, annoyed or I don't know what the right word is, but we are his last choice. You know, he didn't want to leave Italy didn't manage to get a deal with any other Italian club. And so it's like, right, well, then there's only other one place I can go. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. But in general, the possibility of what he can bring to the club or specifically what he can bring to the defenders that we've got at the club is massive. Because, first of all, the way that Union play, play three defenders at the back. We've only got four central defenders anyway. Jekyll is the only backup to the other three that we've got. Knocher is a... You know, well established Bundesliga player. But late and Durkee, they're still young defenders. And, you know, if you're going to try and learn from someone, then having someone like Benucci is a, you know, you're probably not going to find too many other better defenders yeah, probably still am. playing to learn from. That is a good signing if you're looking at it from what it can bring to the club. How much he'll play. I it's kinda of hard to know because that Knocher late Durky threesome uh at the back, that's pretty much solid uh like first choice. That's been there for like a, a season now. Whether or not you wanna immediately break that up just because you've got someone like Benucci in, I don't know how much he's been promised that he's gonna play. You know, is he coming in to expect to play? every single game you can't imagine he's going to be that happy sitting on the bench so it'll be interesting to see how that moves forward but yeah it's it's still a a a mad signing he was warming up at halftime in the Leipzig game and just sort of stood around just doing keepy uppies on his shoulder as though it was like nothing it's like this is a fucking central defender that we've got it's still crazy just to see him on the sideline you can't really turn down getting players in like that so long as you're you know you're not bankrupting yourself from trying to get players in like that as i said i think it's more of a case of what he has to offer other younger players in the team rather than whether or not he's gonna actually improve the team in of itself because it's only a one-year contract the experience exactly it's a cliche but as I said, we've got some good young defenders, particularly Durkee.
0: Yeah, the amount of players who play Champions League football in Union squad is minimal. I exactly. Mean, it's effectively the new signings and that's yeah. that's it, right? So to have somebody who's been there a lot, I think it's good. I don't see there being a lose situation there for Union to get him. And from what I can tell, he's on cheap wages as well. It's not like he's would cost him a fortune. So yeah, taking advantage of that. Bayern towards the end of the transfer window was... Uh, Disappointing from their point of view I think um, the main deal that fell through was Palhinha, who was in Munich and was effectively going to do the deal all the media work had been done interviews had been done and then Fulham turned around and said "We can't go because we haven't signed somebody else we haven't got a replacement for him so watching him trudge through Munich airport <laughs> returning back to London uh, was a sight certainly well he did his medical didn't
1: he actually sign his contract with Bayern as it, well
0: p- as much was done as possible yeah. without it being confirmed. Yeah. Effectively, why Bayern decided to only act on the final day of, like you know, the penultimate day of the transfer window, God knows. Especially when they then turn around and sell Gravenberch to Liverpool, meaning that they're another midfielder light by that point, and then have no replacement. And um, they also tried to sign Jao Cancelo on the final day of the transfer window again why they didn't try and do that earlier it was always clear that Cancelo was not part of Guardiola's plans at Man City and was gonna leave he played for you last year so you know him why they didn't move earlier for that again who knows shallober at Chelsea was another player who future at the club has kind of been up in the air sound him out earlier effectively what's happened in the end is he doesn't want to leave and Chelsea don't want to loan him, which is what Bayern wants to do. They wanted to loan and maybe an option or something like that to buy. Um, Chelsea wanted a straight free. So again, like you're leaving it late, not even to make the bid, but also to do your due diligence, it almost feels like. For Bayern's perspective, it's been a mixed transfer window, hasn't it, really? You're bringing in Kane, you're bringing in Kim, to really good signings. Conrad Live is another one who, who should be a good sign of it. On the other hand, you've not brought in players um, in all the positions you need. And also you've left it so late to even get your business done so it's it's another loss in a way you know another disappointment
1: yeah but it also doesn't really surprise me when you're considering who's in charge at Bayern because as we've seen over the past couple of years the people in charge of Bayern and the hierarchy aren't exactly the
0: brightest bulbs well, a new sporting director who starts on the 1st of September... <laughs> Good day to start. ...just feels bizarre <laughs> to do that. I mean, you know, you knew that Salihamidzic and Khan were leaving last year. You know, the season's finished. Why? I, I, I'm not a fan of bringing in somebody after a transfer window. You've got a whole window to... You miss out on, on something to an extent, don't you? I mean, I know you get the the Kane deal done and you get, you know, a big fan like Kim as well. So you get half what you what you want done. But nowadays, I think, you know, the people who are in charge of transfers are professionals. They are really important parts of the setup. You know, they, the strategy and plans are so much more important than they used to be in that respect. So... Yeah, for a club like Bayern, who usually don't do this, don't leave things so late, it feels yeah like an another example perhaps of a little bit of a slip from where they were as a real, real Europe, one of the very, very best clubs in Europe, to trying to catch up with those very best teams um, right at the moment. We spoke about Fulcrug, didn't we? It's Dortmund and and, and their whole whole debacle and uh, some of the late deals that went through. Uh, yeah, Jordan left. Union to go to Gladbach. I guess his options were limited with those late deals as well in particular. Uh, love Meyer to Wolfsburg. That was a big deal from Rennes. Um, Santos Borre, Mirko to Bremen. Ah, yeah.
2: That was also, for me, was more of a weird transfer than Muani Because like, if you have Muani leaving, then Borre can be a nice backup. So, yeah, I mean, Alario didn't do much last year. Borre was was more important and to give him to Bremen on a loan, I mean, you could have probably been like, All right, now Moani's gone, you get a little more playtime, just stay at least till the winter. So that didn't really make sense. That was the weirder one.
0: Uh, a few other deals that um perhaps went under the radar. Kevin and Babu returned to the Bundesliga, gone to Augsburg on loan, which I think is a good deal for them. Um Yeah but Tanganga as well from Spurs also gone to Augsburg. Megan Barisha from Augsburg to Hoffenheim was a, a late mover. Um, 14 million for him to go to Hoffenheim. He did well last year, to be fair, for Augsburg. hoffenheim have got a lot of attacking options, so I'm not sure he was needed. For Augsburg, it feels like a big blow. So let's see how they get on without him. Um, Leverkusen side Nathan Teller, who did really well at Burnley in the Championship last year um, for quite a relatively big fee of 20 million, seems like quite a lot. We mentioned Anton Stark as well to Hoffenheim and Bayern did sign a goalkeeper in <laughs> Daniel Pritz, a new Israeli goalkeeper. So after everything said and done, who do we think had the best transfer window? We've seen three games now as well, so that gives us a bit of a better over- overview without revealing too much that we can have an opinion that might not be right.
2: Don't need any games, it's onion, of course.
1: Well, it would help if one of our new signings didn't get himself sent off and banned yeah. for three games. But, Who's
0: yeah. next? <laughs> I think Leverkusen have done have done very well, the signings that they picked up and in the positions they needed, experience also that they really needed. You know, they lost Diaby, but other than that, it's been almost perfect. Yeah, that's the only thing that makes it not perfect.
2: Yeah, fair enough. And also, I mean, the way they they got Shaka from Arsenal, who almost took them to win the title last year. Brilliant signing. Don't really know how they pulled that off. Leverkusen is definitely up there, but I mean, the Gozen's one for Union, for me, just shows them and enlightens, uh, again, one more time, what way Union came and what quality players they're signing now. And it is a squad that, yeah, in that Champions League group probably has problems, but it is a squad that could go for regular international competitions such as Europa
0: League and even more. So that brings an end to this episode of the Bundesliga Diaries. An uh, international break is soon over, so back to the Bundesliga. Um, Richard and Mirko, thank you as ever. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Yeah, and we've got uh, we've got a banging game to start off with um, after the international break, with uh, Bayern hosting Leverkusen in that top of the table clash. Early top of the table clash, but still, it feels important really um, after the, the start that both teams have had. Um, that's on Friday. At half past eight. Uh, Freiburg-Dortmund, half past three on Saturday. Wolfsburg-Union as well, half past three on Saturday. Two good teams. <laughs> certainly. I know, uh... <laughs> don't know
1: if that game's worth mentioning, but thank you very okay. much anyway.
0: And then we've also got uh, Leipzig bayern as well to come um, in match day six. Another interesting game between two of the top teams at the top of the division. Uh, Frankfurt-Freiburg as well, two European sides on match day five, Mirko, so big game for you yeah and one
2: where I mean we can maybe see some quality or see in which direction it's heading and Freiburg with a loss against Stuttgart also Mm -hmm. Um, both not with the best
0: starts so yeah plenty to look forward to we'll be back at the start of next month thank you very much and we'll see you next month